Welcome to New Horizons Podcast, Trailblazers. New Horizons is a national nonprofit that has served individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities since 1971. We believe that every person has a story to tell. This podcast will be a place for men and women from diverse backgrounds and with unique abilities to share their victories, challenges, and stories with the world. We hope you enjoy. A quick announcement before today's episode. The 2020 census is here, and it is incredibly important that people with disabilities and their families are ready to be counted. Please visit thearc.org slash census to learn more. In today's episode, Taylor Ellerbrock joins us to discuss the Bee Community, an organization she founded in College Station, Texas, as a place for adults with all abilities to work and belong. Taylor has been a great resource to New Horizons and shares our belief that every person deserves to experience the inherent dignity found in work and community. I hope you enjoy our conversation. I am Taylor Ellerbrock, and I am the founder and executive director of the Bee Community in College Station, Texas. So excited to have you on the podcast today, but before we really get into the Bee Community and the incredible work y'all are doing there, would love to hear more about your backstory, how you grew up, and how you came through the Bee Community. Yeah. So I grew up in Houston, Texas. Um, I have a younger brother, amazing family. Um, went to school at Texas A&M University uh, here in College Station, and I studied special education uh, both in um, undergrad and graduate school. So I taught in the public school system for several years um, in various settings. Um, and uh, did all that kind of before transitioning to the bee community. Awesome. Well, first questions first. So are you an, an Astros or just general Houston sports mm-hmm. fan? <laughs> I feel compelled to say yes, um, because I'm sure my family will listen to this. <laughs> um, but, but you're not a, a diehard Rockets fan waiting you, for their, their game you Friday. No, I I love Aggie sports, um, Houston sports. I am a little bit more of a sideline fan. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I guess I went to the University of Georgia, so I guess somehow we're, we're rivals now that y'all are in the SEC. But I guess so. We'll, We'll avoid that. Um, <laughs> awesome. So did you know going into your time at A&M that you wanted to become a special ed teacher or that an interest that you developed while you were at school? Yeah, I, um, in high school, started volunteering with Special Olympics. My dad was a coach. Um, and so that's really when I just fell in love with um, the community of those with different abilities and found really um, mutually beneficial relationships, um, and that really sparked my desire to go into studying special education. And, and then through my time um, studying, just really continued to fall in love with both the um, individuals with special needs as well as their families and coming alongside of them. Was special education something that was a particular interest or was placed on your family's heart, or how did your your dad get in, involved in that? Um, his dad also coached Special Olympics, um, so 
So maybe it's genetic. I don't know. <laughs> but we, um, uh, yeah, I am really grateful that my dad provided the opportunity for me. Um, I also had a friend in elementary school. I was in an inclusion classroom as a student um, in first and second grade and had a friend with uh, CP that was um, used a wheelchair. And um, I think just from a, a young age, just really saw kind of the, the value of relationships with people that are different from us. Um, and uh was really looking for ways to um do that in a professional career um to just continue to form those relationships so it kind of seemed like special education teacher was kind of what uh what you do if that is a um i guess a, a passion and um and then as i was in the classroom just really started to um see kind of what life after high school with uh, for my students was like um, and kind of brought in my horizons to some other kind of possible future careers. So get into the bee community. The first thing to know is why is it called the bee community? We've spoken before and you, you said you're willing to be a bit of a business mentor as we at New Horizons look to shape and grow, but I'm not sure if I ever asked you why it is called the bee community. Yeah, it's actually an acronym. So it stands for Brazos, which is the county that we're located in, and then employment, which is what we are striving to provide, and then enterprises, which is how we provide the employment. So kind of a mouthful. So we shorten it to be community. We really love the the concept of community, the idea of, uh, like I mentioned, those mutually beneficial relationships, kind of a two-way street. It's not just um, you know, someone caring for someone with a disability, but it's really seeing the value that all people have and um, shining a, a spotlight on, on those that maybe have lived in the shadows before. Um, and so that's that's how the, the name was founded. So how did this passion for special ed and for employment particularly turn into the bee community? Yeah, so uh, for me, I feel like it really did start in the classroom as a teacher. Um, my second year teaching, uh, I was working with students that were 18 to 21, and I um, was noticing that kind of over and over again, um, well, uh, even my first year teaching, kind of throughout uh, families and students alike were asking me, what is life going to look like after high school uh, or after um, public school services? And um, that second year teaching was kind of an emphasis on transition. My job was to develop transition plans um, for my students. And um, as I started just researching kind of the um, statistics of um, the employment rate for people with disabilities um, and what the alternatives were to employment, um, I just kind of felt like I kept coming up short, honestly. Like, I learned that up to 80% of adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities are unemployed, and that's uh, nationwide. And on top of that, the opportunities that were afforded for those that were unable to gain or even maintain employment in the competitive workforce were often left in kind of 
living lives in isolation. Um, and so it was really through that experience and then through conversations with families and students throughout my career teaching that even a, a, as I taught middle school um, and the students were younger and kind of the pressing reality of uh, graduating out of school services um, seemed a little, little bit farther off for families. It's still a very um, stark reality and, and kind of a daunting reality um, uh, for their family members at a younger age and just kind of the, the fears of what what happens when the yellow school bus stops coming. And so for for me, it was it, it wasn't a matter of um, uh, age of my student. It, it seemed like it was kind of a theme um, surrounding families affected by disability um, as they thought and, and dreamed of life in the future for their loved one. Lee, I'm sure all those concerns are only amplified more during the, the global pandemic we find ourselves in right now. How has mm-hmm. this time changed the bee community and what day-to-day looks like for y'all? Yeah, so we have implemented um, additional procedures and practices to ensure safety and sanitation. We um, did close down for about 10 weeks, and um, we are, as an organization, about two years old. Um, So we are still... um, uh, a small enough stage where we're able to maintain stable groups. And so we are back up and operating, but at a, just on a smaller scale. I, I think for us, what really hit home was during the shutdown, um, kind of the re-emphasis, I think, you know, globally, um, is, you know, a human race across the board is experiencing isolation. And I think that uh, unfortunately, um, for many of our artisans at the community, that reality was not that far in um, in in their past to to remember and know what it was like to to live in isolation and to not have a, a meaningful way to spend their time. So um, quickly, we kind of pivoted to offering uh, work kits at home um, so that our artisans would continue to have. Uh, meaningful work to partake in while they were at home. Um, but there's nothing quite like being together. We have a phrase we use a lot around here, which is better together. Um, and I think that now more than ever, uh, as a collective humanity, we are all experiencing um, that together. Mm-hmm. For sure. So before this pandemic, what would an average day look like for the the men and women, the artisans that you all serve? Yeah, so we start each day with what we call our morning motivation. Um, I mean, who doesn't need to get motivated to start their day off? And so we do that collectively. We um, use it as a time for announcements. We review our schedule. we incorporate celebrations during that time, whether it's someone's birthday or a new order that we got in. Um, so our, our artisans craft various products throughout the day that then we sell to the community. So through these enterprises, um, as I mentioned in our name. And uh, so during our morning motivation, we review the schedule. We talk about, you know, if we got a new order in or finished a big project um, or just saw a coworker um, 
helping someone out and celebrating that. Um, and then from there, we uh, go into 45-minute work sessions. So that's um, kind of a sweet spot that we found. 45 minutes allows us to get in, be productive, and then feel like it's uh, maybe time for a bit of a break. And so we have been a couple of break times scattered throughout our day where we always have some sort of structured activity um, for our artisans to participate in if they choose, um, whether that's a dance party, yoga, um, or a more relaxed uh, card game. Um, And then uh, we have an hour lunch break together um, in the middle of the day and wrap up the day with cleaning and um, getting everything ready for, for the next day. So, uh, we stay stay pretty busy um, manufacturing the the products that we make. Um, anything from candles um, to handmade soaps. Um, we've started doing some jewelry and handmade paper, um, and then we have our signature dog treats um, that uh, are homemade and uh, hand baked by our artisans as well. Wow, so that that does sound like a very busy schedule. One of the things I've missed a lot here at New Horizons is we have karaoke Fridays, and just mm-hmm. the sense of community and fun is is definitely not there when when we aren't able to meet fully as a group. But it sounds like the B community would be a fun place, busy place, but a fun place to spend your days at. Absolutely, we um, believe that work and fun can coexist, and um, it's. I, I don't know that we've gone a day where um, some dance move hasn't happened. So <laughs> that, that's awesome. Who, who says you can't do pirouettes and make dog treats at the same time? <laughs> Absolutely. Something that we talk about in terms of employment here is just how it's very easy to complain about work and view work as drudgery mm-hmm. or something you have to get through, but how it yeah. really is such a, a gift and, and brings a dignity and should be something to rejoice and so it sounds like that's definitely the the ethos that y'all have adopted as well yeah you know i think for us is um we uh, or at least for me in in the classroom and kind of seeing the reality uh, of unemployment and isolation um for our friends with disabilities that um we started dreaming um with a team of um, what something could like to kind of step into that reality um, and provide a um, a long-term sustainable solution. Um, we um, saw just in in scripture our, our divine design to to work and to contribute, um, and so uh, I think that's all people. You know, like we say, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose, and. Mm. Uh, I think maybe we don't necessarily um, experience that until it's taken away, you know, potentially. And and, and that's an an unfortunate reality for people right now in the pandemic. But I think that um, we have very much seen the evidence of that. And in our artisans, you know, some of their stories have been, um, being on the couch at home for for years, uh, unemployed. Others um, were able to gain employment, but struggled to maintain it and and hopped around um, from job to job. And you know, if there's a change in management or a, um, a change in schedule or routine or um, something challenging happens, and uh, that 
supports can be even withdrawn. And so we wanted to just provide a place where um, those supports would never be taken away, um, where we're able to carve out the um, a place that, that meets those individual needs to be able to set them up to work and to access kind of this uh, inherent designed to to work and to contribute and so for those that um what wh- whatever their story has looked like um seeing uh the impact of being able to create and to um contribute to society it, it makes you feel like you matter and you have a reason to get up in the morning and uh and um on top of that for people to um not you know for our artisans not just you know, they feel that and feel like they matter and they have a place to belong and, and to contribute. But I think also for the community, for those outside, maybe not affected by disability, they get to start to experience the gifts that they were missing out on because of, of the lack of employment. And so for our artisans to not only get to experience the, the impact of work, but then for other people to experience the fruit of that work and because everyone has a gift to contribute. And and when we get to receive those gifts as a community from the artisans, um, I think that is ultimately like when the narrative starts to shift of of dignity and and worth and empowerment, when um, those of us unaffected by disability see the value and the worth and the gifts and the um, contributions of those that that do have different abilities. I couldn't agree more. And I know y'all are only two years old, but as you continue to dream and look forward, are there any concrete goals or maybe new projects you're hoping to take on during the next chapter of the Bee Community? Yeah. So one thing we're always looking to expand is our, our product line, our enterprises. Um, we right now, or when we started off, sold them just in um, kind of local pop-up markets around town. Um, And then we uh, recently launched all of our products on our online store. And our our next phase is really to acquire a storefront, our own facility. We meet in church space right now, which we love and are really grateful for um, and has allowed us to really build this kind of solid foundation and we call it our humble roots here uh, at the church but we are looking ahead to really being in the heart of the community having a storefront where the public can come and experience um, the gifts that our artisans have uh, in a more tangible way so so that's something that we're we're dreaming of and additional ways to to add enterprises whether that is culinary uh, we'd love to start uh, using some of the the baking gifts that some of our artisans have from uh, making dog treats and start making human treats. <laughs> <laughs> so those are some of the things on on the horizon for us. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing so much time already today, Taylor. I've got a few more more lighthearted, fun general questions if you have a little bit longer. Yeah, absolutely. So the first one is, what is your favorite book? Oh, man, that's like parents uh, asking them what who their favorite kid is, right? <laughs> um, gosh, I think my all-time favorite book has to be To Kill a Mockingbird. Just the the themes of mm-hmm. social inequality and education and, 
um, systemic racism that we're even seeing in today's conversations. Uh, I love memoirs. Um, some of my uh, favorites that I've read recently are Glass Castle, Educated, and uh, The Girl with Seven Names. So those are some fun books. That's been one one selfish benefit to having a little more time at home is I've finally, I, I think I thought that if I didn't actually uptick my reading, like I said, I always would if I had more time during a global pandemic then I never was going to read more. So it's been <laughs> fun kind of re rediscovering that, that joy. Um, yeah. so have you said, uh, so you said to kill mockingbird, have you read to set a watchman or the, I believe that's the sequel name. I haven't. Have you? I have not, but I know for so long that was the thing about Harper Lee that she only ever wrote one book and it was so famous and then she came out with the the sequel, but I haven't I haven't heard many people who have read that one yet. I've heard mixed but I might need to need to make that happen. <laughs> so another question and yeah. I'm I'm one of the fans, so I'm gonna ask like I don't know, but why do so many people love the Hamilton musical? Oh, man. I don't even know how many times I've watched it now at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's just outstanding. It, it lives up to the hype in every way. Uh, gosh, the pure talent uh, is just remarkable. I think the, you know, maybe what stands out is just the creativity and the use of rap and hip hop. Um for a story about our founding fathers, I, I think the the beauty and the redemption of just a full cast of people of color playing our, our white founding fathers. I mean, it's just the the talent, the creativity. Um, I'm trying to memorize all the lyrics currently. So, <laughs> do you think it? Have you seen the the play in person? I haven't. No. Have you? I, I was able to a little while ago, not with the original cast. It was it was awesome being able to see it on the screen. But and there's one drive from Chattanooga to Nashville that many times the playlist is almost perfectly made up the time. So I've been <laughs> been trying to memorize, not quite there. Yeah, I would love to if ever I have the opportunity. So my final question for you is: How can people get involved with what the B community is doing currently and moving hmm. forward? Yeah, we we would love for people to join our story and um, adventures ahead. We you can find us on social media at the B B E Community B C S. Uh, it stands for Bryan College Station, uh, the Twin Cities that we're located in in Texas. Um, you can also visit our website, the B Community dot com. Uh, we have our products on our store there. We have um, just additional information about our story, and um, we are always looking to to meet new friends, both um, for volunteer purposes, for customers, for friends on social media. Um, so, uh, and and then also on our website, you can subscribe to our newsletter to get discount codes, and um, we share fun stories of our our artisans' amazing work and. Um, some of their remarkable quotes um, that come up around here. So mm -hmm. uh, we'd love love people to join in. 
That's awesome. Well, Taylor, thanks again for joining the podcast today. I love what you were talking to. I definitely do believe that all of us were created for work and community. So thank you for providing oh. and cultivating that for a community that doesn't always have the, the access <laughs> that, that we do. I I honestly feel like I'm the privileged one. Um, it is my life's greatest joy and such a gift to, to be a part. And it's just been amazing to see a team for and people rally around um, and, and the amount of support and just encouragement that we have received along the way is, I think, just a real testament to, like you said, the, the worth and the, the value of, of all people. And that very much includes those with um, disabilities. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. Of course. Well, I look forward to ordering a couple of human treats from your store online <laughs> and hopefully talking soon. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for listening to today's episode with Taylor. If you'd like to learn more about the Bee Community or check out some of their incredible products, please visit our website or email us at podcast at newhorizonsls.org. Stay tuned for next week's episode.